Kings chapter number 20, and we'll begin reading now in verse number 1. The Bible said, And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then, right then, he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day. Thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days Fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. Again, I want to draw our thought that the Lord's given to me from verse number five, and the Bible says these two words turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my. People, So if the Lord will help us briefly again tonight, I want to try to preach on that thought, part two, if you will, on how to see God turn things around. How to see God turn things around. Let's pray. Pray with me for me. Father, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be here. God, thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege that it is to stand up before your people in your your pulpit, uh, God, in your place of worship one more time. Now, Lord, I need to be your preacher, and I can't do that on my own. Lord, I don't want to try to do this on my own. And so, God, if you would, I'm needing a physical touch tonight. Uh, Lord, my voice, touch my voice, touch my mind. Uh, But God, more than all of that, Lord, give me that oil of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, anoint me, uh, Lord, with unction and power that only you can. Lord, I I, I can get up here and make a noise, and Lord, I can run and jump, and God, I can get loud. I can do all that in my flesh. But Lord, uh, God, I'm not interested in performing tonight. God, I'm interested in preaching what you put on my heart. And God, I can't preach without you. So Lord, if you would, please for a few moments, come by us, put your hand on me like you have so many other times. Oh God, and I'll thank you and praise you for what you do in me, through me, and for me in this place here tonight. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. And God, may we all listen to the word of God and the voice of God tonight. Oh God, use me not for my glory and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated tonight again, briefly, quickly as I can. By way of introduction, it is here where we find there is a king by the name of Hezekiah. I told you this morning, but quick reminder, Hezekiah is a good king. You'll find that the nation of Israel has had many kings over the span of Scripture. 
up to this point, we understand uh, that the nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. One being the north kingdom and two uh, being the south kingdom. Uh, may I say the north never did have a good king. Uh, every single one of them seemed like they were all bad men, rebellious men, or uh, uh, vicious men. But there were a few in the south uh, that had uh, uh, that had uh, 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 a good testimony of faith. There were a few kings there in the southern kingdom of Israel. And here we are looking at one of them. King Hezekiah is a good man. King Hezekiah is a godly man. I mean, King Hezekiah stood for right and stood against wrong. Listen now. By the way, that's exactly what we need in this day and in this hour. And I need somebody to help me preach tonight. It's Our hope is not in another Republican. Are you listening to me here tonight? Uh, listen, I don't care what party is beside your name. I've ticked so many people off preaching this way over the last couple of years, but my God, somebody's got to. Uh, somebody's got to call wrong, wrong, and right, right. I'm not picking sides tonight, uh, but I'm going to preach this Bible. Uh, you can chew it up, spit it out, or you can however you want to do it, friend. Uh, I could care less if you've got an R up beside your name or a D or an I for in, I don't give a riggedy flip which one it is but here's what I know if you're saved by the blood of Jesus and you've been washed in Calvary's flood and your name's written in the Lamb's book of life it, you don't care what's beside your name either you're going to vote for the lesser of two evils amen that's what we got to do in these days friend we got to vote and we got to stand for being Biblical, bi- listen to me, don't, don't take what I'm saying and twist it. Biblical, biblical, somebody's going to have to help me. Biblical standards uh, and convictions. I am fed up uh, even in our, in, in, our little, in our little community. I am sick and tired uh, of the division oh, yeah. over stinking politics. Uh, my friend Hezekiah is a good king because he's a godly king. And if they're not godly, they're not good. I don't care if his name's Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Hillary. The fact is, they're probably all going to hell. Uh, but my friend, uh, uh, we've got to stand for what's right in these days. And Hezekiah was a king that you could put your approval on. I don't know where all that came from, but it's good. Amen. Somebody said, you ought to leave politics out of the pulpit. They didn't in the Word of God, friend. You better hear me. I ain't trying to sway you one side or the other. But I am going to say, your political views reveal your spiritual views. Help me, somebody. How you vote politically is revealing who you are spiritually. I'm going to say it again. How you are politically is what you are spiritually. And if you're blood-bought, born again, you cannot, you cannot, Put your approval on wickedness and abortion and homosexuality. And if you can, you've never been saved. I make no apologies for that. I don't care who it is. Somebody's, everybody's accusing me. Of, well, bless God, old brother Josh. He's a, all he does is a, uh, preach his side. I don't have, I don't have a side. I'm, I'm on his side. 
And I'm responsible for the flock of God. And I know some of y'all's already hair lipped and mad at me. I don't know that you're probably upset and nervous. But please hear me. I'm not here to flex my muscle at you. I'm not here to shake my fist at you. I'm really going to stand before God. And I'm really going to give an account whether or not I told you the truth. And they'll sell popsicles in hell. Before I let your opinion of me uh, overshadow the truth of God's word. Uh, I just want you to do right. Uh, I don't give a rip who you cast a vote for. Just do the right thing. Vote for righteousness. Vote for God. Uh, you say ain't none of them close to God. Ain't none of them doing what they ought to do. Pick the closest one and go with them friend. Uh, we've got to stand in these last days for somebody that we can put our approval on. What are we going to do if they're all, if they all go sideways? Well, no, we can't vote for none of them. I'm going to fall on my face and beg God to help our nation. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You can accuse me of being whatever. I'm big God in heaven knows. The, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, he sees me, he hears me, he knows the condition of my heart. He, I didn't plan on saying none of this, so it must have it been his plans. He knows all that tonight, Brother Chris. Uh, and I'll stand before him. You know, I might not see it, but my hands are clean. I'm not picking a hobby horse. Uh, I'm following the Holy Ghost. Uh, and we need some men like Hezekiah. You say, we ain't got nothing to choose from. I agree. Why don't we pray and ask God, Lord, give us a Hezekiah. Give us somebody that'll stand. Uh, by the way, I thank God for the red, white, and the blue, but we'd have never had the flag uh, if it had not been some men that uh, stood on the Word of God. Uh, you know where your liberty come from? It come from the Word of God. Uh, they seen that God provided liberty, and that's why they sought liberty. They seen God uh, gave free will and that's why they sought for free will I'm trying to tell you oh glory is a product of almighty glory and the only reason that you and I live in the greatest nation in all the world is because of godly men that were in leadership King Hezekiah is a godly man in leadership he is a godly man in leadership it repulses people when you preach truth I'm going to tell you why. Because they will pick. I ain't, I ain't labeling who or what. This goes both sides. This goes all directions. But if you're more concerned on your raising than you are righteousness, something's wrong. This is, this is so much bigger than parties and sides. This ain't got, I never planned on this, but amen goes right there. This goes so much deeper. Yeah. Brother Chris, I'm, Brother Jim told me quit making a, I, I, I quit, quit apologizing. I, I guess I do it, don't even think. Quit, I ain't apologizing. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for doing what God's called me to do. I'm not going to apologize for one day I'll stand before Him and your name is going to be brought up and your life's going to be brought up and the decisions you make and how I've tried to help you, it's all going to be brought up. And before I'll let you, I'll hush to, to keep from hurting or harming you. My friend, I'd rather you be offended at me as I would God. And thank God for some kings like Hezekiah that's what we ought to be doing is joining together and asking God send us a Hezekiah yeah. 
send us a Hezekiah. Listen to me. This ain't preference. This ain't preference. This is spiritual. This is, listen, this ain't preference. This is spiritual matters. We're in trouble, friend. I may have to preach again on Wednesday night. I don't know if I'm going to get further or not. But I'm hung up on King Hezekiah right now. Hey, we're in trouble in these last days. This country, you better mark her down. Thank God that God don't judge and deal individually with the nations in the New Testament. And He deals with the church. But listen to me. Our country's in the condition it's in because of the church and the conditions that the churches are in. I mean, we've got people, friend, that they ain't planted. There's people, they don't have a clue what in the world they stand for or stand on. My God, in the last days, somebody get you a, a big bottle of truth and chew on it and figure out what God says and figure out what the Word says. And my God, somebody has got to stand on something in these last days. I don't care what Papa said. Papa might have been wrong. I'm not being mean or disrespectful, friend. But Papa's just a man. And Mamma's just a man. And they may have been good men. And may have been godly men. And may have been godly women. I'm not saying they wouldn't. But my friend, if this word overrides what Papa said, you've got to go with the book. If this word overrides what Mamma said, you've got to go with the book. If this book overrides what your preacher says, you've got to go with the book. I'm sick and tired of opinionated preaching. Give me some Bible doctrine and some truth and what God has to say in His holy word. King King Hezekiah ruled according to the word of God. That's why he threw out all the idols. Hey, that's why when they started, they wanted to prance in there like they'd done under Moses and Aaron. That leadership when the man of God that was up on the mountain, they wanted to start that business on Hezekiah. He sent word to him, said, I'm going to tell you one time. How many of y'all's ever heard that? And one time only. You've got one choice. You either get rid of the little G false gods or you're going to come under the wrath of the real God. He said, We've got to get rid of the idols. We've got to get rid of the man made worship. We've got to get rid of all this corruption of idolatry and our country, our nation has to turn their eyes back to the God of Israel. He's a good king because he's a godly king. It was not his persona or his personality that made him a good king. It was his position in Christ. It was his position with God. It was his position concerning the things of eternity. Now, Ain't none of that got anything to do with God turning stuff around. So, that's my introduction. And I can't help when God shakes a bush. Sometimes I got to shoot the coon out. Say amen right there. Every now and then he'll shake the bush. I can see the coon. I got to stop and tree for a moment. Amen. But Hezekiah is a good king because he's a God man. He's a God. I didn't say he's the God man. I said he's a God man. He's a man that's for God. And uh, and so it's here now that you've found all that out. That this good king, this good ruler, this good man, this godly man, 
The Bible said in verse number 1, in those days Hezekiah was sick unto death. Hezekiah's got a problem. He's got a condition, by the way. Just because you're godly and living a good life does not exempt you from trouble. He's sick and he's fixing to die. And then uh, the Bible said he sends Isaiah his way with the word from God. And here comes Isaiah and he says, All right, King Hezekiah, God's given me a word in these last few days. And he said, Oh, thank God, preacher. He said, It's good to see you. What's God got on your heart today? And you know the story is uh, Isaiah looks at him and said, All right, God said, set your house in order because you're going to die. He closes his Bible and begins to walk off. But suddenly things turn around. How did this story switch from one extreme to the other? Listen, it would have been a miracle if God would have said, all right, Isaiah, go tell him. He's not going to die right now, but I'm going to give him a month. That would have been an absolute miracle. But God don't stop there. God says, not only is he going to live, but I'm going to give him 15 years. Now, you, you, you contemplating dying within the next 15 minutes. Hello, he's looking around, he's thinking about his grandbabies, and he's thinking about his children, he's thinking about all those people, his family and friends that are so near and dear to his heart, and, and, and boy, it's just some bad news that you've got to get things in order. You ain't got time to waste because you're going to die. He goes from all that, and he's sick, man, for God to say, all right, I'm going to extend your life, I'm going to give you 15 years, and they're not going to be bedridden years, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you of this sickness. You're going to live 15 years and I'm going to protect you and protect the nation of Israel for my sakes and for David's sakes. I'm going to keep my word to the nation of Israel. By the way, what an odd relationship God has always had with Israel. He loves them, then He's ready to wipe them out. And he somehow or another has somebody show up and it repents him that he, he even made man and then he's got to repent again that he was hoping and wishing to wipe them out and, and then they'll turn back to God for a little while and they'll be in on, on the honeymoon stage again and next thing you know they're naked dancing around a golden cow uh, cutting themselves. I mean that's, that's the relationship that God has with Israel. But right here Israel's under the favor of God because of their leader. I'm going to go back to our political campaign, as some of y'all would call it. It does matter who's leading us because the decisions they make for our country, it matters how God deals with those decisions. We will be affected by our leadership. We will be affected by our leadership. And so Hezekiah is a godly man. Now, let me move on quickly, try to get get through this. Are y'all okay tonight? I ain't going to say all that I've already said, but how do we see God turn things around here in 2 Kings chapter number 20? Number one, we've seen this. 
We seen God uh, turn things around. We looked at Hezekiah's immediate response. The Bible says there in verse number 2 that uh, he receives the bad news in verse 1, then verse number 2. Then, right? Then. He didn't wait a month. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't get on Facebook. He didn't have a, a Zoom call or video chat. But right then, when he gets the bad news, at that very moment, before Isaiah can even make it out of the room, we find King Hezekiah is praying before the Lord. An immediate response. We've seen, number one, the priority of his response. It was right then. And he goes to God. Number two, we've seen this morning, uh, my friend, that it was uh, uh, not only the priority of the response, but we looked at the privacy of the response. Look at verse number two. And then he turned his face to the wall. I tried to emphasize how much attention was placed on King Hezekiah without him even trying. I mean, he didn't have to ask for attention. He didn't have to try to to, to muster up attention. He's the king. Uh, Somebody's always watching him. Somebody's always near to him and dear to him. Uh, But right here, we believe that he's potentially bedfast because of his condition. In verse number one, he was sick under death. I believe he was on his what they would call his deathbed. And he probably could not get up. He was probably so sick that he was bound, but he could do one thing. He might not, couldn't have got up and walked away, but he turned uh, and faced the wall. In other words, he turned his back to the people and turned his face towards God. We talked about these two things this morning. Taking your problems public before you've dealt with them privately. Huh? That means if I preach something you don't like, don't go home make a post about me. You're welcome. You say, I think you're a fool. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> I've been called a whole lot worse than a fool, I promise you. What do you need to do? Quit making everything public. And start going to God privately. Come on, somebody. Help me tonight. I'm talking about when you get frustrated. God, not everybody on the planet's got to know when you're frustrated. Did you know? I'm going to feel like I'm going to sit down right here again. Y'all, I believe we ain't done. Did you know? Did you know that you can go to God with more than just, you know, sickness and disease and unpaid bills. Did you know when you're ready to kill somebody, you can go and talk to him about that too. Well, he don't want to hear that. He already knows it. Abel, you might as well say something. Right. You think you're fooling God. You're ready to chalk slam. That person that sits on the other end of the pew from you, they tick you off to the point you can care less they ever breathe another breath and you want to come in and shout, Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, friend. God ain't looking at your way. He's looking at the condition of your heart. He knows where you are spiritually, and you're not fooling God. You're a fool to think you're fooling God. You might as well get honest. I've been saying all week, preacher. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to go tell God I'm worthless. I mean, He doesn't do it, but. You need to tell them, say, Lord, I've been sinning all week. I've been a hypocrite. Yeah. Come on, somebody. We talked about praying and being honest just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Few sentences go. How are you going to pray and get through? How are you going to pray standing in the 
the gas. Somebody has got, listen to me, somebody has got to get a private life between them and God where they go to God before they go to anybody else. Hezekiah, Dan, I said this morning, I mean, if anybody had good doctors, it was the king. The man of God comes and says, your sickness is fixing to kill you. Get your affairs, get your house in order, get your funeral arrangements ready, whoever's preaching, you need to call them, whatever you got to do. If you need to finish paying, give somebody some money, whatever you got to do, get your insurance plan carried out, whatever it is, take care of it, because you're fixing to die. Yeah, man. You know what he could have done? As soon as the man of God walked off, said, hey, 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 servants, bring, 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 bring me the doctors. Do you know what his kind of They've been a real blessing to him. They've been a help to him. But the doctors can only do so much. Is there anybody here, maybe you're a product of that. Or maybe you know somebody that's a product of that. If the doctor said this, but God said different. Huh? I mean, the doctor said one thing, but God said another. I mean, listen to me, friend. I, I'm trying to tell I mean, I look at my sister, and, and so many times I, I, I've contemplated what if. I mean, really, she could have died. And really, she should have died. They said that her levels, her blood, all that, all them phrases, I don't know all that stuff, but all them phrases, when they put her on the helicopter and they flew her to the University of Kentucky, I mean, everything was there for death. But some how some way she pushed through and she's here what happened I'm going to tell you what happened I firmly believe some people turned their face to the wall and went to God privately and said God we know that you can do it Lord please do something in her life and you better hear me you're in debt to him the rest of your life as long as God gives you breath in your body don't you halfway do it don't you give him a little bit he saved you physically but more important he saved you spiritually and that goes for all of us we owe our lives to God it amazes me how frustrated people get having to go to church having to go to church you gonna shout if you're saved for all of eternity, while there's a bullet blistering, burning hot hell that you deserve to be in, and I deserve to be in. Yeah. For the ways of sin is death, that's what we've done. All our lives. But the gift of God, see. Yeah. We can't come in and keep ourselves occupied for a couple hours. What do we get? What do we get here? Let's just say two hours of service. What is it? Six hours a week? That's less than one work day. We get so impatient. Son, I'm having a blow. I mean, it sounds like a, a whole herd of deer got spooked. I'm serious. I started looking around for a 10 point buck. Oh, yeah. I see him do this. I see him do this. Oh, yes. I mean, see him do this. I was a swamp up one time, and uh, I never, I never met this person. I don't remember. Man, I can't tell you when it was. But I was there one time. They just walked up like this. I said, well, "Looky there, folks! I got a fellow in the house. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir." What are you saying? I'm trying to tell you that God is worth your time. Matter of fact, 
work all of your time. And uh, King Hezekiah knew what it was to spend private time with God. Private time. Why is it, and I'm going to move on, why is it when trouble comes, the first thing we do is go to everybody that really can't help us? I mean, I get calls all the time and I appreciate them. You should call me, I'll pray for you. But let me say something. Before you call the preacher, you probably need to call the Savior. Come on, somebody. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want this self-dependent or this pastoral-dependent congregation where, oh, we can't breathe if, if we can't get a hold of Brother Josh. My God, call on Him. He can do more than I can ever do for you. People can't live without somebody holding their hand. Listen, He, can hold, he, he ain't just holding your hand. He's holding the whole world in His hand. Call on Him privately. Privately. I ain't got time to re-preach all that. But thirdly, I want you to see His prayer. We find the priority of His response. We find then the, uh, the, the, the privacy of His response. He does His very best to get along with God. All He can do is turn His face to the wall. But those first two steps lead us to this third step. And that is the prayer of his response. It's been a priority right then. He didn't waste time. Right then. Priority. He turned himself to the wall. That's the privacy. But look at verse number three. Uh, uh, verse number two. He turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord saying. Now, Brother Jim, I'm real interested in what this man prayed. Are you listening? I mean, listen, it's a miracle, Brother John. He's got a word from God that he's going to die. That's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because when God says something, it is what? It's true. Or it is so. God says what he and means what he Look, somebody besides, they do this in the color of churches too. I, I started getting a little of that in me when Jasmine joined. Praise God. Hey, hey listen, look at somebody beside you and say, God says what he means. Y'all are white as white can be. Turn privately, and this is what he does. He begins to pray. 
Now, Brother Eric, this prayer is so moving that it turned. See, I'm preaching on that. How to get God to turn things around? It turned His whole situation completely around. So, how do you pray? I want to know. I mean, if this man could pray a prayer that takes literally his his life from moments away from death to 15 additional years and promises and protection, I want to know. What he says, I mean, he had to beg and plead for God not to allow him to die. He had to beg and plead for life. He had to beg and plead for God to do all these things, didn't he? Well, I want you to look at verse 3. We're going to see exactly what he said. I want to know what he said. And when I looked at what he said, God told me why he said what he said. Let me say this. If Hezekiah would have prayed this prayer in the average church, average Baptist church today, they'd have called him an arrogant, pharisaical jerk. They would have. Look what he says. Look at verse 3. I'm hurrying. He said, I beseech thee, O Lord, uh, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. That's all he prays. Not one time does he ask God to spare his life. Not one time does he ask God to extend his days. Not one time does he say, God, please heal me and give me hope. God, Not one time does he ask God, please, Lord, turn things around. Not one time. But yet, this single prayer turned things around for him. So what was it? What was it about this prayer? May I say Hezekiah had prioritized his response. He went straight to God. But now we see what he actually has to say. Number one, I want you to see the reverence of his prayer. The reverence of his prayer. The Bible said in verse number three, stay with me now. I beseech thee, O Lord. I beseech thee, O Lord. May I say King Hezekiah wanted God to know who he had came to talk to. You'd be amazed at the times. I believe that people go to talk to God. They ain't never even called his name out. I don't know that a lot of people, I think they pray for their own conscience, not for help. Come on, somebody. I, I see that he has uh, the reverence of his prayer. May I say oftentimes when everything is going south and the tides uh, of life have begun to shift and shake at the foundation of your faith, uh, if you're not careful when you do pray, you'll forget about whom you're praying to and you'll focus on what you're praying about. How many times is prayer all about you and never about him? God, I need, I need, I need. Lord, help me, I need. I'm begging, I need. God, move, please, Lord, I need. God, I can't take it no more. I, I, I. And every now and then, it just do you some good to say, Lord, I'm talking to you. Lord, I just want to say you're holy. Lord, I just want to beg you for a moment because you're the only place I can get help. My friend Hezekiah had been told by the man of God to set his house in order. But in reality, this wasn't the words of Isaiah. It was the words from God. King Hezekiah could have responded differently. 
But because of Hezekiah's response, we find now his prayer. And it is here that Hezekiah calls on God and says, I beseech thee, or I entreat thee. It means to supplicate, implore, or to ask or pray with urgency. He's begging God. He's not mad at God. He's not bitter at God. But he literally begins to beg the one that gave him the bad news. How many, how many people you know would have stubbed up? Y'all with me? Y'all with me? We're going to have to stand up to Father Abraham. The word came from God, you're going to die. First place he goes. It's not to somebody down the road to tell them how bad God had been treating him. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't dare say that. That's basically what you're saying when you get up and talk about how awful your life has been. Well, we're getting quiet. That's okay. It, 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 that's what you, it's always one or two. Got to be moving and blowing in service of somebody before they go home. It's just got to stand up and say everything in the world that has nothing to do with God and kill the thing and talk about how miserable and how hard their life's been. You know what you're saying? You're exalting your problems above the problems of the one that's got the solution. Sometimes we just need to brag on Him instead of present our problem to Him. God knows your problems. He knows your problems. Not one time has He mentioned His problems. We see this, this, this evening His reverence in His prayer. Number two, I want you to see the request of His prayer. Stay with me now. <laughs> the request of His prayer. Look at verse 3. I beseech thee, O Lord, remember. What's His request? For God to remember some things. Now, note this. It is here that Hezekiah has asked God to remember him. And the life he had lived for God. May I say it is not uncommon in the scriptures to see where a man remembers God in his prayer. But it is very uncommon to see where a man asks God to remember himself in prayer. How many times do you go to, go to the Lord in prayer and just start remembering God and the things He's done and start thanking, Lord, I, uh, Lord, here I am. Lord, I thank You, God, for taking care of me. Thank You, Lord, for uh, watching over us today. God, thank You for providing. Lord, thank You for keeping us safe. Lord, thank You all these years You've been faithful. Thank You, Lord, and you're remembering Him. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should. But how many times do you go to the Lord and say, All right, Lord, it's me. I want You to remember me. Fact is, most Christians don't want God to remember nothing about them. They don't want God to remember them because they've went down the tubes. Their life has not been a glorifying, God-honoring life. But Hezekiah, listen, when I tell you, he's a good, godly man. He really was. And he says, God, you just told me I'm going to die. So Lord, please remember me how I've lived for you, how I've been faithful to you. Listen to me. Brother Chris, he's not trying to get out of the Word of God. He's just reminding God, hey, I've done my best. I'm fixing to cross over. Lord, please. Please, God, remember. You know, the Bible talks about that righteousness that was counted towards Abraham. 
I think Hezekiah kind of has the same mentality here. His prayer is much different. Uh, may I say this prayer was not even a request for life. It was a request of acknowledging his loyalty to God. This prayer is found significant for both life or death. What a comforting thought to know. Uh, what a comforting thought, Brother Chris, if we were laying on our deathbed tonight. Uh, to know, to know, that, to know, to know that we lived a life that was pleasing to God. Can I tell you one of these days your bank account ain't going to matter. When you're laying on your deathbed and Isaiah walks in and says alright you've got tops two days, two months or even two years to live. You find yourself in them final moments and your eyes are barely opening and closing. Your lungs are barely expanding and contracting. Your heart is barely beating up and down. And you're, you're slowly approaching, you're quickly approaching uh, that moment that we all must deal with. If the Lord don't rapture the church, I got news for you. I don't care who you are, how healthy you are, how much money you got. It is appointed unto men once to die. And ain't none of this carnality. None of these worldly things is going to matter come that day. When you close your eyes in death, God ain't going to look at your credit score. Come on. That ought to make some of y'all shout. Because if He was, Jack, you ain't getting in for another million years. Thank God He ain't checking your credit score. He ain't turning in a resume. It ain't your work. It's His work. That he's already done. But here's what's going to matter. You close your eyes in death. Saved is good, but you still need to know this. Have I been faithful to him? Can I give you an encouraging word? I know it's Sunday night and we're tired. And I, I, I know that didn't get naps today. And I, I know that this is just the routine. It's just what church people do. You come in and listen to preaching on Sunday night. But can I really challenge you to examine your life, could God, could you go before God tonight and say, Lord, please remember my life with a pure conscience. That's important, man. It's important. God, feel free to look over my life. Man, when I read that, I thought, ain't no wonder God turned things around. Because there's very few men that God could look at their life and say, yeah, it looks good. There's very few. When God, when He asked God to remember Him, God did. God got to look and thought, hmm, I believe I'll keep Him around a little longer. He's a pretty good witness. He's a pretty good example. He's a pretty good Christian. He's a pretty good king. He's a pretty good follower and a child of a... I believe, you know what, Hezekiah? Let's just, let's just shake things up. I'm going to turn things around. Not based upon what He had asked for. Because He didn't ask for nothing. Y'all ain't getting it like the Holy Ghost gave it to me.
In these last few moments of my life, remember me. Remember my life. God got to looking at him and said, you know what? I believe I'll just turn things around. That's a good soldier. Can I tell you, it's not the words that are going to impress God. It's the way that you live that's going to persuade God to turn some things around. So many people say things like this, Brother Josh, I've prayed so long and so hard. and I, I mean, I've cried and agonized and I begged God to turn around and, and he, just ain't, he just ain't answered my prayer. I wonder if it's because He takes a look at your life and says, well, they're being real faithful to praying right now. But, man, I'm looking back over the last six years of their salvation and I only heard from them. You know, maybe once or twice a week for just a few moments. Now they're praying an hour a day, or two hours a day, or maybe they're fasting three days a week. But and that's a blessing. I'm not saying stop, but maybe, just maybe, when God looks at your life like He did Hezekiah's, He thinks, "Well, I believe I'll just stick with my first plan." Why ain't God hearing me? Why ain't God changing things? What well, could be because you've not lived the life that you should live for Him? Y'all okay? (laughs) I got a whole lot I could say and I probably should say, but I'm not going to. We We see the immediate response. Within that, we find the priority of the response. We find the privacy of the response. We find the prayer request or the prayer of the response. Notice when you look at this prayer and uh, you see what, what, what Hezekiah has said, it is obvious to me that God thinks highly of Hezekiah. Yeah. Now, Hezekiah is not being boastful. That's why I said if this prayer were to be prayed behind the pulpit of most churches today, you know what they'd say? Well, he's, who's he think he is? Hezekiah, listen to me. He wasn't being arrogant. He was being factual. I mean, he could with a pure heart, Brother Jim, say, Lord, verse 3, I remember now how I have walked before thee in truth. How could he say that? Because he'd walked before him in truth. And he said, remember, Lord, my perfect heart. And remember, Lord, that I've done that which is good in thy sight. My Lord, that's a good testimony, friend. I really need God to turn things around. Won't you turn your life around and then you'll start seeing God turn things around that's in your life. Turn your life around. Give it to God. Face the wall. That's a good thought. Face the wall. In other words, keep your attention on Him instead of everything around you. And so his request is simply for God to remember how he'd walked before him with a perfect heart and having done good in his sight. And in reality, we should all be able to say the same thing. But the fact is, many of us, even here tonight, you can't say that. Are you listening? Please don't go to bed on me. Are you listening? I mean, really, you can't say that you've walked before God in truth. You can't say that your heart's perfect and pure and complete. You can't say that you've been faithful to do right in the sight of God. Then we wonder why God won't turn things around. Well, probably has a whole lot to do with how you're remembered. May I say, listen to me, when you get serious about living for God... God will take you serious when you start asking Him. 
When you start praying to Him. When you start being remembered. You can't keep living like the devil and expect your prayers to change God's mind. I know I'm slowing down a little bit tonight, but I want you to understand your response has to be first priority, has to be private, has to be a prayer for He is our only hope. Keep it prayerfully and privately and before you make it publicly. And lastly, Skipping a whole bunch of stuff. I want you to see the immediate, or excuse me, first of all, we've seen the immediate response. Lastly, I want you to see the intervention of his request. Is there anybody here that can look back over the course of your life? And I'll be done. Give me 10 minutes. Is there anybody here that can look over the course of your life and say, without a shadow of a doubt, there's some times that God intervened in my life? I mean, there was nothing or nobody else that could have done what was done. God intervened in my life. King Hezekiah's request brought forth the intervention of God in his request. And God, listen to me, ask God to remember him. Not only does God remember Hezekiah, but God redirects him. In verse 4, the Bible said, And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out to the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, my father, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. That's a good word from God, friend. Here he is. He's just got a death ticket. And he says, Oh, Lord, remember me. And within one verse later, God sends word through the preacher. And here's what he said. God told me to tell you He listened when you was praying Isn't it good to know that He's listening tonight He'll listen to you If you'll live right If you're walking with God like Hezekiah was He's listening He's listening He said there in verse number 5 He said Tell him I have heard thy prayer I have seen thy tears Talked a little bit about that this morning I'm glad he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities Listen to me. I said it this morning. I'm not trying to be ugly. But when you take your problems and make them public, 99.9% of the people are not moved or persuaded or affected by your problems. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they act. I don't care how concerned and how sincere they seem. They could give a riggedy flip about anybody's problems but their own. Help me somebody. That's Well, y'all act like good little babies tonight. Not me, Brother Josh. When somebody comes to me, I am so truly concerned and tough. Bull, baloney, bull, bull, bull. And before you can even think about going to pray for them, and you remember to pray for them, then you don't pray for them, you don't remember what you prayed for them about. Why? Because at least it's just humanity. Because it ain't your problem. It don't mean to you what it meant to them. They're agonizing over it for six months. You can't remember it for six seconds. It's not that you don't care, but it's simply not personal to you. Amen. Amen. But there is one tonight. Every time you take a problem with him, it's personal. Well, y'all ain't getting like I want you to, but he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Bible said, Isaiah said, Hezekiah, not only has he heard your prayers, he's seen your tears. Amen. 
they gonna get God and turn things around. Live this life that Hezekiah's lived. And when you pray, what you'll find is God will intervene in that immediate response. God will. There'll be intervention in your request. He tells Hezekiah, not only does he respond, he redirects. And then we see that God responds. Look at verse 5. He said to Isaiah, turn again. He just turned things around. He speaks to Hezekiah through the man of God. But this time, his plan is different. Something's changed. Things have turned around. God tells Hezekiah, I've heard thee. I've beheld thee. Seen his tears. He goes on to say, I'll heal thee. And he goes on to say, I'll help thee. Look there in verse number uh, verse number five with me again. He said, I have heard thy prayer, shouting ground. I have seen thy tears, running ground. Behold, I will heal thee, running and shouting ground. On the third day, thou shalt also, uh, thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Can I give you a quick nugget? When God does stuff for you, how many of y'all give me a big roar tonight, amen? He does plenty for you every day. Amen. You didn't pop your eyes open on your own, Jack. He opened them for you. You didn't have the power to keep your heart beating all night. God did. And He kept it beating. And He kept your ticker ticking. And your arms open. He kept your vision. You know, you can close your eyes and not wake up blind tomorrow. I mean, did you know that there could, your brain could be 100% healthy tonight, but by the sunrise in the morning, it could have a dangerous tumor on it? Yeah. I just don't know about that. Go talk to some folks. Yeah. Yeah. The world was fine on Sunday and wrecked on Monday. But my friend, every day that God blesses you, He gives us more than we could ever even imagine yeah. on a day-to-day basis. See, all we want to highlight when we pay our bills that was past due, when we heal our grandma who's fixing down on, and all that's fine and well. But there's a daily process that God does that we don't even acknowledge. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm saying this. You know what God tells Hezekiah? He said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to heal you. I've been beholding you. He said, I'm going I'm to lift you up. And this is what he said now. And he said, but on the third day, I need you to go to church. Yeah. Come on, son. Hey, Plow, tonight, boys. You don't know why it's such a disgraceful, disrespectful thing for you to stay home from the Lord's house? Because we're coming here with one intention. We've had some visitors today. What, what, what's your goal here at Stillwater Baptist Church? I've tried to make it clear. I've tried to make it clear. Brethren, we have met the Lord. You don't know why we're here? I'm here to bang on him. I'm here to sing songs about him. I'm here to testify about him. I'm here to shout about him. And I'm here to get hot, sweaty, slobbery, and spitting and all that for him. I'm not trying to entertain you. I've got better things to do than I'm too fat for this. I don't like this in the flesh. It makes me tired and it makes me hungry. I'm getting hungry by the second that you look at me tell. I'm not doing this for me. But glory to God, I know as an 18 year old boy, what God done for me. Yeah. I spent my life. I gave it to him. I told him that night. Thank you, I told him that night. 18, fixing to turn 19 in the next month. I told him, God, if you'll take me tonight, just how long? Oh, preacher. <laughs> I said, I'll give my life to you. Yeah. I'll give it all to you, Lord. This is what I told him. God knows it. I said, Lord, you got my eyes. 
You got my ears. You got my mouth. You got my feet. You got my hands. You got my back. You got my shoulders. You got my heart. You got all of me, Lord. Now, whatever you do with me, it's your business. Amen. Here I am. Amen. Three months passed by from that moment. I was sitting at home every year as long as I was there. July the 13th. July the 13th. 13th. The Holy Ghost came by. Spoke to my heart. Called me to preach. Said by myself, me and God. Called me to preach. Wasn't too long after that, a year or two. God spoke to my heart. Agonized for another three months. I knew God was going to do something. Didn't know what. God birthed it in my heart to start this church. Give me the name. Give me everything from from the Word of God. Six years later. What am I doing? I'm still trying to do what I started doing. As a 19-year-old preacher boy, listen to me. I didn't have a clue. I still don't know much. But one thing I know is he's been faithful. And he's been true. And it's a miracle that you said to him tonight. And it's a miracle that I'm still doing what I'm doing. And it's a miracle, thank God, that we've got a church where God shows up. It's a miracle for him. I'm not just saying it because I'm the preacher here. But if you've got any spirits out about you know, you can miss as much as you want to. A place like this is hard to find. I'm trying to tell you, a real old time, holy God's man, heaven filled with your life. I'm a believing dispensational Somebody. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. 
You say, oh, they drama in this church. You better mark it down. There's big drama here, and they probably are right now. Come on. I'm going to do it out there squash it. Matter of fact, while we're right here, I'm going to go ahead and squash something. Yeah. I don't know who said what or who's been doing what on Fellowship Sunday. I'm leaving. I'm led of the Holy Ghost. You get back out and never come back if you want, but I'm telling you, God's doing this. That's his business. So on Fellowship Sunday, it's Joanna. She, she, she got a feeling hurt. It's not just been this time. It's been several times. She said that people shun her food and make comments out loud and don't eat that. That's Joanne's. Listen to me. I'm picky. I'm picky. And you might be picky too. That's okay. Just be picky and be private. Come on. Both of you. Come on. I've got to do this. Come here. Come up here. I've got to do this. Get the plan on. Here's what we're going to do. I'm right here. Both of these individuals are different. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Come here. Come right here. Paul said, Amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter number 15 this morning. It is here in Luke's gospel where we find ourselves uh, reading where the Lord Jesus has appeared uh, before the publicans and the sinners. Verse number one said that the sinners and the publicans drew near unto Jesus to hear what he had to say. But in verse number two, we find another group of people. The Bible said among those there that day, uh, beside the publican and the sinner, you see there's uh, the Pharisees uh, and the scribes. And uh, when Jesus began to approach the sinner, the Bible said that he began to sin. He began to uh, to eat with the sinner. Now this was not an act of fellowship, uh, but rather God was going, listen now, somebody ought to act. See, y'all ain't acting safe already. Uh, this is where the Lord, uh, when they could not get to where he was, uh, he came to them. Amen. Uh, my friend, he came to where the publicans and the sinners were. And of course, among the crowd, there was the religious Pharisees. And in case you're wondering what a Pharisee is, uh, it's somebody that sees everybody else's sin but won't deal with their own sin. Uh, that's what these Pharisees were doing. Uh, and these scribes, and uh, they were looking, and here comes Jehovah God, uh, the Son of the living God. And they've already talked about how he can't be the right one. And then all of a sudden when they see him sit down among the sinners uh, and, they, and begin to minister to the sinners, they said, oh, this ain't the Lord Jesus. He's not the one. Uh, the Son of God would never. Oh, because see, they was all dignified. And they was too, listen to me, they was too holy uh, to sit with the sinners. Come on, sir. You better watch that crowd. You better watch that crowd. You better watch that crowd that stares down their nose at everybody. Let me tell you something. I got enough problems with me. I can't find all your faults uh, and all your failures. I ain't trying to do the job of the Holy Ghost. Uh, if God needs you to see your faults, God will deal with you on your faults. Uh, it ain't 
ain't my job, but you better hear me. I'm going to preach that Bible. I'm going to preach on sin. I like what Brother Mark said. He said, and if your phone rings, pick it up. Amen. Uh, my friend, can I say, uh, when Jesus sits down with the sinners, uh, the religious folk get mad. Sounds about right. Uh, uh, can I say, when God begins to move uh, and begins to save sinners uh, and begins to save religious folks, listen now, and begins to work in the hearts of people, they's always, 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 uh, and always has been a religious Pharisee somewhere around uh, uh, that's going to step back and say, I just don't know about all that. I just don't know. I mean, I mean, I just I can't figure out why God would do something like that with people like that. Uh, but my friend, may I say I agree with them. I don't know why he would either. But I know on January the 9th, 2000, that God the Holy Ghost came by as a seven-year-old boy convicted my heart. I called on his name. Hell moved out. Heaven moved in. And I've been saved ever since. Amen. And I'm glad to report to you this morning, he's still sitting among sinners. The Bible said he came to seek and save that which was lost. You want to know why some people can't ever get saved? They never got lost. They refuse to admit that they've been lost, that they're lost. Uh, listen, I've talked to folks after, I mean, I've talked to people after people after people. I say, have you ever been born again? Well, I got baptized. That ain't what I, I asked. Have you ever been, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? I've heard them say, well, I think I would. Can I say, you don't have to think this morning. Uh, you can walk out of here and know that you know, that you know, uh, that you know that you've been saved. Uh, may I say, I've asked them if you, if you closed your eyes in death today, would you go to heaven or hell? And they say, well, I hope I'd go to heaven. Uh, and I'd say, well, what are you hoping then? Well, you know, I'm a charter member down there at the so-and-so church down the road. And, uh, you know, I, I taught Sunday school for 35 years. May I say I'm glad uh, that for people that teach Sunday school, uh, uh, but you better hear me and hear me well. It does no good what you do. Uh, uh, the work of salvation is not in us. Uh, it's on a hill called Calvary. It was on the on the cross where the Lamb of God uh, shed His blood for the sin of the whole world. I couldn't make my way in on my own if I had to. But thank God He paid what I could not pay. He's sitting among sinners and the Pharisees. I want you to see their response to Jesus sitting and eating among those who were lost. We find that they murmured because He had came to sinners. By the way, can I say the only reason Jesus ever approaches a sinner, it's not to shake hands and, and find out how their day's been. But when Jesus walks up in your life, friend, listen to me. Some of y'all already, I believe, the Lord's probably already dealt with some folks. and You don't know, you say, Lord, have mercy. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. And I I feel. I don't understand all that. By the way, if you don't understand down at the cross where my Savior died, dead work for cleansing
justly saved from sin. My Jesus so sweetly abides with thee. And there at the cross where he took me, friends, will glory to his name. Sing that chorus Glory to his name. understand that friend uh, it's because you've never felt God uh, the Holy Ghost come by and lift your sin off you uh, and I say that's the weight of sin uh, in the heart of every man, woman, boy and girl uh, but when you call on God uh, may I re- somebody's got to help me today may I remind you that there's still a fountain that's filled with blood and it's drawn from Emmanuel's veins uh, and sinners plunge beneath the flood uh, they lose all their guilty stains. Uh, when God moves in a little old person, a little old human being like us, uh, you better know if the God of heaven, listen to me, if the God of heaven is living inside of you, friend, He's going to poke out somewhere. I'm saying, hey, ain't nobody can have uh, the God of glory in their heart without Him shining somewhere. I don't, I ain't, I ain't buying this religious stuff that. Well, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to do me. What verse and chapter is that? Come on, somebody. Some, right, listen, I preach like this every week. Yeah. Some of y'all thinking, my God, what in the world's wrong with him? I'm preaching that Bible. And that's making you uncomfortable because that's what it does. That's right. Hey, man. The problem today is these uh, churches are taking the Bible and they're trying to conform and, and twist and, and compromise the Bible to fit the life of the people. But that ain't how it works. It should be the life that changes in the people and they should conform themselves to the Word of God. But may I say my standard and your standard will never be high enough uh, of His standard and His Word. Uh, it's pure and holy. It's infallible, inspired. Uh, it's the truth and by the way, the Bible still says that those who know the truth can be free and free indeed. Amen. 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 I'm a young man, but I listen to me. I'm not. I'm not going that route. We're not going to close. We're not going to shut the lights off, turn the bar lights on, and have a. Come on, somebody. We're not going to have a. We're not going to have a fist pumping mosh pit in the name of Jesus, my friend. We're going to keep every light we can get on. We're going to need. We're going to add some more lights just to be as opposite as we can, and we're going to stay true to that book. And if you're looking for a real church, that's what you're looking for, anyhow. And if you ain't, ain't nothing I can do to help you. But the Lord Jesus can. I'm trying to tell you this morning that Jesus came. To set and to save sinners. He came to save sinners. You can't, you can't get God down on your level. You gotta listen to me. You gotta you gotta meet his. You gotta go where he is and try your best to live according to this Bible if you're gonna live a Christian life. And so it's here in Luke's gospel. You know Luke is known as the book for sinners. If you were to study, go home, you can, you can, you can, this is a new term in 2021. You can fact check me. Come on, somebody, help me. You can fact check me if you want. 
Trump would say, you can fact check me if you'd like. I'm always right. But you can fact check me 17 times in the the book of Luke. More than any other book in the Bible, you'll find the word sin or in its form, sinners. Sin or sinners, it's in there 17 times. Sin is in the book of Luke more than it's in any other book. There's 66 of them. But more than it's in any other book in the Bible, sin is found 17 times in the book of Luke. But also ran across this. There's another word that's found more in the book of Luke than any other Bible or any other book in the Bible, and that word is forgive in its form. Forgive, forgive on for day. You'll find the word sin or sinners seventeen times. Fact checking for it. Or you can then you can go and you can find the word forgive, forgive it or forgave, and you'll find it eighteen times in the book of Luke. So what are you saying? I'm trying to tell you, for every sin that you have, and for every sin that I have, and for every sin that the world has to be against God, there's more forgiveness than there are sin. After listen, for every, for every ounce of sin, there's a wagon load of grace. I'm trying to tell you that God still saving sinners. I've met people, poor thing. We met a fellow, his name's Philip. I've talked to him about every other day since we met him. And he's going to come to church, and I believe him. But we ran into him last Sunday, and I'm telling you, poor thing. I feel so sorry for him. He's, I don't know, 50s maybe? Somewhere in there. Man, we went to the flea market because that's what old people do. And I'm not old, but I feel like I'm old sometimes. And I went to Brother Dax. We was going up through that. We started looking, and we came up this old fella. He had a few guns. And of course, I stopped. Amen. Second Amendment rights. Come on, somebody. Right to the bank. Well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So we went by, and we started looking at guns. And son, when his mouth opened, my God in heaven, he made Peter crawl under a rock and hide somewhere. Or cussing Peter. This fella could not speak. I'm telling the truth. I mean, I don't know if he even said a sentence. All I think he just said that's word. I said, look at him. We went back to look at each other and said, oh, we're going to have to witness to this guy. We got to We ain't got no hope. We've got to help him. So he carried on cuss for another 20 minutes or so. I repented 18 times for his cussing. Because I felt dirty. But that's it. Went over to him and he said, Sir, do you, someone asked you something. If he died right now, would you, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or hell? He said, I go to hell. But Dex said, You know, you don't have to. And he started talking to him. Then, I, then he came over, come over where I was and I started talking to him. I said, Philip, what's, man, what in the world's out there worth going to hell of? He said, You just don't understand. He said, You don't know what kind of sin I am. He said, I'm full of hate. He said, my, my, my daddy growing up abused me. He didn't say in what form, but he said he was abused growing up. And he said, I can, he said, I can stand here honestly and tell you, I'm sorry to say it, but I can't, I hate my daddy. He said, that hate that's in me, I can't get rid of. He said, I've tried everything. 
He said, I've tried everything. He said, I know, I know about the Lord. I mean, he was quoting scripture. He said, I've read that Bible. He said, I know what it says. He said, but I'm a type of man. He said, if I can't give my all, I ain't giving nothing. I said, Philip, here's where you're making a mistake, sir. I said, you're trying to deal with this hate when you're wrong. And I said, until you realize you're never going to be able to hate, uh, take care of that hate, you're never going to be able uh, to throw that hate off on your own. And you're never going to be able to deal with that hate that's in your heart all by yourself until you realize uh, that you've got to have his help. You'll never get rid of it. I said, but Philip, if you'll take just a moment uh, to realize that your sin and the condition of your soul is far more important uh, than you could ever imagine and you'll come to Jesus. Uh, I said, you can't get right before you come. You get right when you come. I said, if you'll make your way to Jesus, uh, he'll not only take that hate, uh, but the past it to see a forgetfulness uh, and he'll wash it white as snow uh, and he'll hey, he'll redeem you uh, and restore you from the inside out. I just, I just don't know how, how such a wonderful God could love a sinner like me. I said, felt that's who he came to die for. He said, the whole need not a physician, but they are sick. He said, they come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'll tell you, the vilest of vile is who Jesus died for. I know how it appears to the world. We put our nice clothes on and towed our Bibles on. I probably ain't going to get to nothing I thought I was going to get. We towed our Bibles under our arm. We come in and, and, and we'll, we'll shout, shed a tear or two and tithe a, a dime or two and then you'll go out to eat. Uh, and, the, and, and Christian church folks mirror the devil on Sunday morning. They, they stick their waiters and their waitresses and they're not kind and they complain about every blessed fire thing that they bring out and they're snooty and because they think I've been lost. Listen, that world's not a second class citizen. If we got what we deserve, if I got what I deserve, if you got what you deserve, we'd all be in hell's eyes for all that sin and come short of the glory of God. Only difference in me and the drunk passed out his own vomit only difference in you, uh, uh, Jonathan, and the biggest dump at it in all county is one thing. Uh, that the blood uh, of the Lord Jesus has uh, lost my sin away. I've been with my mama now. 
and her time and her place. Listen to me. I heard with my own ears. I heard with my own ears as she was crying out to God. She was screaming for him. I, I mean blood curdling, curling your hair up, screaming. And she got real with God because God got real to her. And it started out screaming. She said, oh God. She was agonizing her sin. Listen, let me tell you, you believe what you want about me, friend. I'll preach it for you. Came, I'll preach when you leave. I believe there was 15 million devils uh, uh, trying their very best uh, uh, to lift her up off that altar and convince her that she had something that she did. You said, well, her life said, I don't care what her life said. Uh, these Pharisees uh, lived a religious life better than the same folks did, but they're lost. Uh, uh, my friend, I didn't know she was lost, uh, but I sensed it when she said she's empty and she began to scream and cry and next thing I know she went from screaming up, up to shouting. You say what's the difference? Screaming's what they do in hell. Shouting's what they do in heaven. She started shouting at the door's God coming and lifting her back and when she said Lord the very moment that she said Lord the devil got real nervous and the demons of hell got real nervous because even they know at the name of Jesus She's got a mother. Uh -huh. and we honor she's got a father and a stepfather all saved. Good godly testimony was there. For two of them I was. In their dying days and the peace that passed on saying that the, the Spirit of God, you could, I mean they're saved. <laughs> you know, I, they probably hadn't been thinking much about whether or not mom was saved until her name was announced over the intercom of heaven. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Y'all act like Presbyterians again. I'm talking about when the Lord Jesus stood up in the presence of the angels and said, I've got an announcement to make. I've just lost another one. And all them saints are saying, glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. And they said, who is it, Lord? Who is it? And he said, her name is Marilyn Griffin. And she's 45 years old. And she's praying that son of rock this down. I, I can just imagine at that very moment, the three loved ones, and then more loved ones, and I think they overheard her name. And they started jumping for joy. And they started leaping. Hey, glory to God. I'm glad I can preach one day if the Lord carries over her casket and say, I was there when Jesus sat down. 
Yeah. 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 Come on, somebody. I'm preaching now. Yeah. Are you empty? Oh, yes. Huh? Hey, don't mind. Let, let me tell you something, sir. It don't matter how many trucks you buy. It don't matter how many guns you buy or how, many, how much money you make. Man, it don't matter how rich Harmony is. It don't, listen to me now. I'm telling you the truth. It don't, all that stuff don't matter. Fame, popularity, music. All those things that, that the world has to offer, they're joyful. They're, they're typical. They're typical things. Right. My friend, let you get a drink from the well of everlasting water. You'll never thirst again. You'll never have another need. It's satisfying. Hey, glory to God, yes, that little thing in this world uh, that can satisfy you. Uh, but if you'll get, oh, hallelujah, if you'll get saved by the marvelous good, marvelous grace of God, uh, you can be satisfied. Yes, you yes. can be set free. Yes. What popular man, uh, if he should gain the whole world uh, and lose his own soul. Yes. He said that life is but a vapor. It'll appear for a little while and then it vanishes away. We don't have time to wait. trying to reopen wounds, Sister Janae and John and Shelby, y'all, but I'm looking at all these young folks. Oh, and I go back to the funeral I did a few months ago. Yeah. Please don't let me rehash something any harder. I'm not trying to hurt you by mentioning this. Come off the hard work done. But listen to the young people. And I hope every one of you is, is God saved the pudding out of you. I hope you're saved. Yeah, man. I'm going to make some nasty no respect for a person. That's right. Young folks over here. He said, oh, my Lord, Brother John, these are all visitors. That's right. I'm taking my opportunity to preach to them. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get another chance to preach to these people. I hope y'all come back and start coming every second week. I'm doing something. God's trying to build a church here, y'all. Amen. Matter of fact, I ain't going to ask. I'm going to tell you. You ain't got church come back. That's right. Amen. You say, I don't know about all that red face spitting. You'll appreciate it one of these days. Amen. I'll do it because it's fun. I'll do fat for all that. For real, friend. I'll sit over a it, young people. Uh, boy's name is Nick. I don't know if I had this thing in here or not. I used to. Nick. And uh, long story short, how old was he, 18 or 19? 19. 19 years old, we went to the funeral home on Saturday, and Nick was there uh, mourning the loss of his grandmother. We were there on Saturday. It was Geneva and Christine, it was her grandmother. I walked in, and we had a service, and we cried. And Nick was there crying, mourning the loss of his grandmother. Now, she was a saved woman, thank God. But, you know, Nick thought, he heard the gospel preached, and I'm sure he thought he had eternity. He had, or excuse me, I'm sure he had time to prepare. He thought he had time to prepare for eternity. Just 19 years old, friends. But you know, long story short, before the sun could rise the next morning, Nick was in eternity. 19 years old. Now listen to me. That did not catch God off guard. It caught all of us off guard. But did not catch God and I got, I got preaching. I, I preached next few It was an honor. There was a few people saved there. And I got to thinking about that. And I, I went and got his picture. I still had it in my Bible. Or his grandmother's picture. I still had it in my Bible. 
you know, the little thing they give you when you go to the funeral home. And I got it out and I had it up. And I said, this is, this is what I'm holding. was found in the back pocket of 19-year-old Nick when he passed away. He was looking at someone else's eternity. Didn't even have time to get it out of his pocket before he met his. Right. Are you listening to me? This is real stuff. It's real, man. And listen to me this morning. I, again, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to to, to to take away from that. But God showed me something. I can preach different now to young people than I've ever been able to. Right. I've seen God take older adults suddenly and unexpected. I've seen all that. But for me, that was the first real up close personal yeah. experience I've ever had. That when your time comes, it's gone. He came to save. Came to sit and save the sinner. Yeah. I've got a whole outline that goes all the way to Luke 16, but I ain't got time to preach it, so I'm just going to tell it to you. And I may preach it next week or Wednesday or something. But you see four types of a sinner's prayer in Luke 15 and then Luke 16. Number one, you see, and I don't have time to read it all, but number one, you see the prayer of a sinner from the scenario of a lost sheep. There's a lost sheep in our text. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus left the 90 and 9 and went after the 1. Yeah. And after he got that little sheep, the Bible said that, that he put him up on his shoulders and carried him back. I'm going to think of how so many times when the Lord finds people, they don't have the strength to even get where to go where he wants them to go. But how he'll carry us. And I, I, I begin to think what it, what it is for God. You know, that night my mom got said he left the 90 and 9. The scenario of a lost sheep, but then you look 15. You look here, so I don't get it wrong. Not only you got the lost sheep, but then you've got that scenario of a sinner's prayer in the light of the sanctuary. Can I read you this? The Bible said, uh, Bible said in verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, and doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over uh, in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. All throughout your Bible, a candle is a type and picture of the church. The Bible calls those seven churches the candlesticks. Right. Yeah. The church is a uh, candle is a type of church. And so here's what you find. There's one piece of those coins lost in the church. Y'all see that? You say, how did they find that lost piece that was dwelling in the sanctuary? Number one, the light had to come on. Yeah. Yeah. He's here. Yeah. Then number two, they swept the house. That's the Holy Ghost job. Yeah. You know what he's doing this morning, Brother Dax? Yes, sir. He's walking pew to pew in his He's looking for you. He's searching. He's searching. Come on, somebody. The light of the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit of God's walking in and out, sweeping the hearts of men. He's looking for those who are lost. Amen. Then you've got another type. You've got the land of slop. Luke 15 is known for the prodigal son. Right. There's another sinner's prayer, the land of slop. He gets yonder in the far country. Y'all got your Bibles open? Yeah. Some of y'all cutting off at 12. We've been long past 12. Come on. 
Look with me quickly. I want to show you this. Look at verse 12. Luke 15, look at verse 12. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, say the next two words with me. One, two, three. Give me the portion of goods that follow to me. Look at verse 19. You know what his mentality was in verse 12? Give me, give me, give me, give me. I want everything you've got. Give it to me. You know the story. He gets it. Goes to the far country. Spends it all. Wastes his life. Has nothing. Comes to himself. Says, man, I need to get I need to head back home. I'm lost. Look at verse 19. He said, give me in verse 12, verse 19. He said this. Well, let me read verse 18. He said, I will arise, though my father will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. Notice this, verse 19. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Say the next two words with me. One, two, three. Make me as one of thy hired servants. In verse 12, his heart's getting me. It's all about him. In verse 19, after he's went down to slop land, it's making. Let me tell you the difference in the, in the heart of a saved man and a lost man. A lost man lives every, everything about your life is for yourself. That's yeah. right. Self-centered. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Right. You want to know what changes when a lost man gets saved? Yes, he goes from give me to make me. Yeah. Hey, make, I'm not much, but make what he, what's he, he's a son. But what's his request? Make me as one of thy hired servants. Hey, when you get saved, you're going to go from give me, give me, give me. I'm going to please myself. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to spend all my house time. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to tell you what you'll find. You do that and be fine for a moment, but you'll find yourself in the way of soul. And no man will give unto him this world your friend as long as you ain't got something to benefit from. But as soon as you find yourself in the big pen, they're all gone. They're all gone. Yes, sir. Around the slot. He went from give me, give me, give me to make me. Because he came to himself. He said, maybe he's one of the hired servants. Look here, look here. I love the prompt. Why my favorite story on the Bible? I can preach, I can preach from this son. Look with me now. Verse 17. Verse 17. And he came to himself. He said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Would everybody agree with me? That he's the son. Yeah. You know what he says? The son. I'm starving. That's what the father country did to you. The son is starving, but the servants, they're not only filled, but they have, we just read it. They have more than enough. They have enough to spare. Let me tell you something. Everybody looks, looks at what we're doing this morning. They're poor, pitiful people. They can't get drunk on Saturday night. By the way, saved people won't be getting drunk on Saturday night. They can't get drunk on Saturday night. They can't walk around naked at the beach. Help me somebody. They can't go to every hellacious concert. Yeah. Uh, down at Corbin Arena where they're all, listen, come on, somebody, help me right here. You're saved. You, you ought to back what I'm saying. Hey. They're all drinking fornicating, smoking dope, and hey, and it's and, and the presence of hell's in their place. Ain't no child of God got no business. Amen. 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 That is right. right. They say them poor, pitiful Christians. Oh, they can't go. There's a big concert here or something. Today. The next day or two, the reason I know is I couldn't get most of them to run back to us now, hardly. 
They said it's called a concert. You know what they say to us while they're all hung over this morning? Them poor, pitiful people. Right. They got to go down there and sit and listen to that little short, midget, fat looking little crazy, <laughs> bug eyed preacher. Yeah, that's right, brother. Hey, Jim, you the ugly style I ever seen. Hey, man. But you know what they do? They feel sorry for us. Because they look at all these things we're not enjoying. But can I say it in the midnight hour when mama's laying in the bed or grandpa's on the ventilator or cancer comes or, or, or yeah, listen to me when trouble comes and the only place they can turn is Facebook. Please pray. Please pray. My mother, my father, please pray. Listen, thank God as a child of God in the midnight hour that you and I can find ourselves on our knees. And the Bible said we're going to die right now. We can come back before the throne room of grace. I'm trying to tell you you may have to lose some things in this world, but my friend, you'll gain ten times at the peace and the joy. You know what is? You ain't got no peace if the folks are trying to find it in the world. Four types of the same prayer. It's the uh, it's the sheep, the sheep of the lamb. Secondly, it was uh, that lost coin. So like sanctuary. Thirdly, it was the uh, lamb of swap. But fourthly, here's the saddest, and I'm done. This is the saddest one. I'm done. With. Now let me say this quickly. What you'll find after then three, you find a lost sheep. Once it's found, there's rejoicing. Amen. You find the lost coin. Once it's found, there's rejoicing. You find the prodigal. Once he comes home, there's rejoicing. Amen. But then if you'll flip your Bible over to Luke 16, right. you'll find the last of the four sinners in the prayer. I want you to look with me in verse 19. Do they say amen? Yeah. And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fair sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was that which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be filled with crumbs and stuff from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and see if Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Yeah. Now here's his prayer. He said, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may get the tip of his finger along and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. May I say for the lost sheep that sinner's prayer can bring salvation and hope. For that lost coin, that one that may be in the house today, the lights came on, the Holy Ghost is sweeping, you've been exposed, you're no longer hiding out under the cloak of religion. 
there's hope in that sinner's prayer for you. And for that prodigal, for that person that may be dwelling in the land of slop, there's hope in that prayer for you. You can come to yourself. There's hope. But once you get to chapter 16, and you find the prayer that comes from the lips of a sinner in hell, listen to me, we're almost done. All hope is gone. That's right. Three out of the four, they can pray and they can get help. Yeah. But if you wait, if you wait, you become that fourth one. There's no more hope. Listen to me. Everybody look at me listen. I know you get restless. We'll fix and go. But this is the most important part of the service. If you wait, listen, there's not one human being that's ever breathed there that's not prayed the sinner's prayer. Not one. If you'll pray that prayer, man, with your heart on this side, it'll save you. Amen. He'll save you. But if you wait, and you will, you will pray. If you lift your eyes in hell, there's not one atheist, there's, there's not, listen, there's not one unbeliever, there's not one. They all had cried out like the rich man and said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. But it's too late. You've been left with a choice today. You can either pray that prayer today and get help and be saved. You don't have to live lost or you can wait and pray in eternity where there's no hope. There's no help. Let me ask you something. We'll fix it up. Close out. Let's just go ahead and all stand. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Brother Eric, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is there anything in your life worth going to hell over? I've been preaching 39 minutes and 